Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step to 53342. New York, call the 24-7 Hope Line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to another episode of Rue's Kitchen. I'm your host, Jason Madison, joined always by my co-hosts, Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. This is the recap of episode four. That's right. Yeah, guys, we got a lot in this episode. Uh, I feel like there's a lot to discuss. Where should we begin? Oh my gosh. Where to begin? Because, you know, I was thinking about what this episode was really making me feel and it was very chaotic. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to call this episode uh, Chaos and White Privilege. <laughs> <laughs> mm. White Privilege. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of that. Uh, there was a lot of that going on. I was going to call it Fake It Till You Make It because I felt like this episode was about three characters who were faking it in situations and, you know, they found out. They fucked around and found out <laughs> on a lot of different levels. And, uh, and we basically started the episode with a fake, a big fake, yeah. the big orgasm, the big <laughs> yeah, orgasm exactly. fake. Exactly. Yeah. That this couldn't, is couldn't amazing. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Uh, this was an episode about love triangles. We talked about last week, the love triangles were put under a lot of stress and pressure this time around. And we're in the middle and it's just cutting back and forth from... Maddie's birthday party to Rue, Elliot, and Jewel, Jewel hanging out, <laughs> and Cal on his rampage. That was so stressful. Yeah. Stress. I yeah. was hey. very stressed out by this episode, and I really didn't enjoy this episode. It <laughs> bothered me. This was a very bothersome episode. Yeah, what I, bothers you the most? Cal. <laughs> Get him the Cal. fuck out of this show. Yeah. Get him in jail? Is there any cop in this town? He's driving like such an asshole. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, we talked I don't... about the driving before. It's a miracle he didn't kill himself. But please, somebody report this man. Yeah, I don't think there's any sheriff in this town because Cal just travels through it with reckless abandon at every turn. He's, you know, 
he's getting in the fights at the bar, he's pulling his dick out at the house, he's driving 100 miles an hour. I mean, and this is just one episode, you know? Yeah, like, this is- yeah and in previous episodes, he uh, always talks about how he knows, you know, the sheriff or whoever the fuck, yeah. whoever the police chief or whatever and he's always using that to his advantage that's why i say chaos and white privilege because he's just out here doing whatever the fuck he wants because he knows like what consequences is there gonna be yeah who gonna check me boo (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) that's how he's rolling around the city but we got we got something that was a little bit more serious with uh rue's situation She's always there to somber out the episode. Uh, we actually are in a church, which I didn't think we would ever go to <laughs> in Euphoria. I felt like all of them would start burning up <laughs> when they immediately <laughs> walked through the door. But Rue made it to the altar, you know? This is after we had the uh, montage earlier in the episode, which, you know, she's basically uh, mimicking all of these famous love scenes with, with Jules, you know, Frida Kahlo and... Titanic and uh, or some of the other ones. Brokeback Mountain. Broke yeah, back, the Brokeback Mountain, Mountain, Mountain one was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great. The yeah, Birth that, of Venus, I think, uh, the art mm-hmm. piece with, uh, yeah, with Jules. Yeah. John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Yeah. So, yeah, and it was uh, Snow White. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see a lot of people had an issue with the way Rue looked. Like, yeah. uh, that's... No, that's not even close. Yeah, that was definitely pre-integration uh, Disney. We're going to whitewash Jewel, uh, whitewash Rue. Yeah. I think it was interesting that a lot of the characters in that, uh, in those descriptions die. You know, John Lennon, uh, Jack. Heath you Ledger. Know, he, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, then to show, you know, what we eventually got in the in the episode between the three of them, which... I mean, the Elliot character is interesting. The turn that they're having him make—he he seems so nice, right? <laughs> when he started out, yeah. uh, or not 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 so nice, but just more normal, I guess, emotionally. You know, he's just kind of throwing a monkey wrench in their whole shit. You know, I, I I get that. You know, people are starting to change their view of how they see Elliot, but yeah. my attention is being brought back to Jules, right? And you know, with her to be so like jealous, you know, and telling Rue, like, you know, how she feels about this whole friendship and how she doesn't trust it. And here she is any moment she can get, she is right there in Elliot's fucking face. It's like, are you desperate for his attention? Like, what is it that makes you want to hang out with this guy when your girlfriend's not around? Well, she's like a sexual person, right? They established that in the last episode. And it seems like she's kind of starved for a like a stronger sexual connection or just one at all, right? Rue's not giving that to her. Rue's on every drug under the sun, apparently. We, <laughs> I, I'd also like to point out that I called it on a few things. Yep. Like the one that she's doing heroin. The big H. Yeah. The yeah. big H. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got the whole rundown of, of the drug cocktails that she's been making. Heroin, yeah. fentanyl, benzos, whatever yeah. else is in that suitcase. Yeah, she's going for it. Yeah, she's and going. the the way that she's trying to make it seem like that she's just high off weed, like girl, weed is not going to have you <laughs> looking like, like that. Yeah, she looks so a hot ass mess. <laughs> how did they not like nobody else noticed this? If she's doing all these drugs, like I feel like people would exactly. Jules, you, wake up. Yeah, you would think so, but I feel like some people are just so self-absorbed into their own worlds and their own feelings and emotions they're really not paying that much attention to what's going on with Rue. right yeah yeah so we got that was actually my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes um in the episode when uh when she walks up to the altar and you know she hugs uh the guy labyrinth i guess labyrinth <laughs> yeah yeah I guess is the music uh, supervisor for the show. Yeah, he makes a lot of the themes that play uh-huh. over and over again. Obviously, we have so much music oh, in yeah. every episode. In this episode, there's some amazing bangers. Yeah. They had Jonathan Richman in the lesbian bar and then so many more. But yeah, Labyrinth stepped out of the music to play a pastor in Rue's church fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Where where Jules and Elliot are in the audience watching her and then she hugs her dead dad. Whole lot going on there. Yeah, yeah that was that was a lot. That it's kind of like a callback to season one because um I think it was 
maybe the second to last episode last season where Rue, she was always filmed in this maroon hoodie. Mm-hmm. That's her dad's hoodie. And that's like the only like memory that she really like has, you know, like something that she could just, you know, keep with her at all times. And so when she's hugging her dad, he has on that same hoodie and you can tell like, that's just like a, you know, how some people have like a blankie, like coming up, they have something that they just have to have and hold on to and it makes them feel comfortable. That's what that hoodie is for her. But when they showed Rue, just kind of like, it looked like she was slow dancing, but she's like hugging her dad and she's just entered like a totally different realm thanks to the drugs where she's gets to kind of communicate with her father. I thought that was really interesting. And honestly, it brought tears to my eyes. That entire scene just made me so emotional. Yeah, I feel like the music was, was scored perfectly for that moment. You know, the way that they cut the editing to show just subtle little glimpses of her dad. Like, I think it was done, like, very well. Yeah, I, I love that scene as well. I just, I, I can't get over the fact that, like, it feels like to me, and I've watched a lot of TV, there's not, usually not a lot of white dads to, like, black daughters on television. And, right. like... It's it was just a it's just a weird sensation. I don't know how to categorize it yet. You know, I'm still kind of coming off of just watching it and really enjoying it for what it was, but it's just a weird thing to see and an interesting choice. You know, that's obviously like a very strong choice to make as a writer, showrunner, you know, like I just I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't know if you guys have seen that in the show where where it's like cuz usually you know it's either there's no dad or, you know, like whatever, the black dad. And so then to have also Coleman Domingo, like juxtaposed as her father figure is also very interesting because he's very black. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's a whole different dynamic. And I wonder like, you know, what we're supposed to feel about that, you know, because it's like, it's there. So I, I don't think it's meant to be ignored. I wonder what Sam Levinson's intention with that dynamic is, you know? Yeah, that's why I'm really hoping that we get like a backstory on Rue's mom, because I want to know, like, how do we even get here? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) How do we get here? I do want to kind of circle back to one of my favorite moments in this particular episode where we have Nate and Cassie having like a a fucking showdown. Put some fucking pants on, Nate. No, you don't want to see it's white undies, white compression shorts. We get it, dude. (laughs) It's HBO. Hang dong or put some pants on. All right, he had some toned calves, man. He had to show them off. Johnny drama in the house. (laughs) But yeah, they had to walk me through that fight because he's Nate's the worst, and we all feel bad for Cassie here. Is it safe to say that? I think we're all feeling for our girl Cassie in this situation. Mm-hmm. She is reaching a point where she is just snapping. It's just like, okay, everything that I've been trying to communicate with you is not working. You're clearly still, you still have feelings for your ex, my best friend. <laughs> just, that's so weird. And everything that she's trying to say to him in this moment, it makes no fucking sense. It's just, again, chaos. But at the same time, she's so confused because all she really wants is for Nate to choose her and he's doing everything but that and is just sending her into a fucking in a spiral. She's she's not doing well. She hasn't taken time to address what's really going on with her. This whole, you know, abortion thing that she, you know, that she went through, she hasn't addressed it. She hasn't taken the time to heal. Instead, she's just drinking and and trying to fuck her way through it and it's that's not it. And then you're fucking the most lunatic person you could you could find. And Nate is not making it any better when he calls her Maddie. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys pick up yeah, on that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, B, we were talking about Maddie, so <laughs> that's why I said it. No, it's all the- good. <laughs> <laughs> he tried his best to save it, but no. Yeah, she was She's actually like, okay. kind of cool about it, considering like he did it pretty blatantly. Like she moved on to the next her next point like pretty quickly because I feel like in most situations that would have been <laughs> hanging in the air for a while. He's man, he's dealing with a lot. Honestly, though, his dad is on some fuck shit right now, you know, and I, that was a whole mind fuck. Like, imagine I didn't even know that he had a brother. 
by the way. I'd but- forgotten that he had a brother. <laughs> and I'm glad that they reminded us because <laughs> it helps clear up the timeline of how old Cal is. Right. Because right. otherwise it'd be like he's 36 and that's right. not happening. <laughs> so when he said, I haven't been to this bar in 25 years. Yeah. The older son, the 25 year old son is still living at home. Good for him. But at least he exists so that we know that Cal's not supposed to be 36. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was a revelation. So but yeah. Back to, back to Cassie and Nate. I'm definitely empathetic for Cassie here. We really got inside her head with the whole beauty routine last week and yeah. into her psyche a bit. But she did commit a pretty cardinal sin here, hooking up with your best friend's ex. Yeah. And not only that, her is, ex-boyfriend's best friend. Oh, yeah. Meet right. some new people. All right. Like, there's <laughs> only four people that you know. But this is what happens when you do that. So she's young. She's learning her lesson here. It's a really horrible way to do it. I do feel bad for her. But also, what did you think was going to happen? Right. I think that she's just super young, though, you know, and that's kind of as all of the stupid stuff that we see that characters do on the show is like kind of chalked up to that. This is their first time going through the the merry-go-round, you know? I think part of the show's emphasis on that is the cow storyline because we see at the end of the episode, he's trying to get off, you know? He's like, look, I've done this. I've been this person for however long, 20 plus years. I'm leaving, you know? Like I've hopefully learned the lesson or I'm trying to be my true self and stop doing this fuck shit and the kids cassie in particular she's just now going through you know all of this teenage drama so she doesn't know any better i'm sure by her senior year of college she'll be a completely different person she's still regardless she's chasing love she just wants validation she wants love she wants someone to choose her and to continue to choose her yeah and when you have someone yeah big pick me energy for sure and when you have someone like nate who is just like incredibly manipulative he's just doing this just to he's just fucking her yeah he's just fucking her literally that's it that's that's it and so he but he's he doesn't understand that he's doing that either. He's just like, maybe I like her. I'm just, you know, whatever. But I think in a couple episodes, he might wake up to the fact that he's just like, yeah, you're just here while I'm trying to figure out my thing with my girl. You know what I'm saying? Which is what it is. But he's not owning up to that to himself yet, even. You know, he's still in the throes of like, oh, I'm going to argue with this chick and tell her I love her. It's like, why are you telling her you love her, bro? Like, you don't love her. You so know, what did you guys- for walking away from that. That was a power move. Yeah. Proud yeah. of her for not turning around. Yeah, but then turns right around and just loses it in front of everyone. <laughs> so Oof. before we before we get to that uh, whole birthday party, what did you guys think about the conversation between Maddie and Nate at the babysitter spot? Because she asked, you know, did you ever feel loved by me? And he's like, I don't know. It's like. What are we, what, what is this conversation? Like, is this supposed to be like for closure? Like what, why are we linking up? Like, are you just coming in just trying to like mind fuck this girl just to keep her hanging around so you can somehow, you know, find this disc or whatever the fuck you're looking for? What right. is it? Like, yeah. did you guys feel like he actually gives a fuck or do you feel like he's just in his manipulative state? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that he really gives a fuck. I think he's, he's just looking for the next moment and yeah he probably is really looking for the disc um that seems like to make the most logical sense but who else is he going to turn to you know like i think that's it's more like he doesn't have anybody in his life that he can really talk to or knows him doesn't really like cassie like that can't talk to mckay because he's a you know what i'm saying in college <laughs> their relationship is fizzled so he goes back to the only person he really has any strong connection with which is maddie and is trying to find some meaning in their relationship if she can give it to him. And, you know, obviously she doesn't want to be alone. She's desperate for love in her own way. And so in that way, like they're kind of drawn back to each other and this is going to continue until it eventually explodes. I mean, we had a small explosion in the hot tub, but I mean, that just seems like that's the early part of the quake and we haven't really got to the, to the core of it yet, but it it will get worse. Small explosion, but big eruption, but, The conversation at the 
house that Maddie babysits for, Minka Kelly's house, by the way, just Minka added Kelly. another super hot <laughs> actress to this show to show up one time and talk to Maddie about sharing clothes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, B, I don't care. They're just dragging Nate and Maddie back together. As Cassie puts it, they're toxic. They have a toxic relationship. Yeah. It's just to stir up drama. It's just to make this love triangle as spicy as possible. <laughs> You're over it? Because a lot of people, you know, I've been reading comments about, you know, this season, but particularly this episode, everyone is like, what the fuck is this shit? A lot of people are fed up with the writing. And they're like, you know, Sam Levinson doesn't have like social media. And I think he has like an Instagram that's just like, he doesn't even touch. But people are fed up. They're like, what is happening? They're, they're saying that their writing is so bad to the point where they're like, they, they want to see more. Of course, they want to see Lexi and um, Fez. Right. And they oh, want to see yeah, Fexy, sorry, yeah, Fexy, yes. And they're upset because they're not getting any any more info besides the fact that Cat doesn't like Ethan. We already know that, right. but we we still don't understand why. But I still, I still with this with this show, I'm still hanging in there because I feel like when you write, you have to also give your audience the benefit of doubt. You, they're smarter than then you give them credit for it. So some things you just have to allow the audience to come to their own conclusions for. You don't have to spell everything out. And I think that's what Sam is doing here. He's mm. giving us less Rue voiceovers, right. you know, less narration from her and giving the audience a chance to figure out what's happening here. And I, I like that. I like having that sort of a break because we only got a little bit of Rue in the beginning when she's, you know, getting ate out and having her fake orgasms and shit. And then it just like goes quiet from there. And so we get a chance to see what's going on without being told what's happening. And I like that. Yeah, I, I think the main issue for me with the writing is in stuff like Kat's storyline, how she was one of the main characters in the first season. And they just kind of push her off to the back. And now this Ethan thing is all she's got. And they've strung it out for four episodes when it's like, you know that you didn't like him in episode two. So why are we still... <laughs> Like, why is this your revelation that you're coming to in halfway through the season? Like, you know, and and the reason why is that he's a square. That's not her life. She does not live a square life. She's not a square girl. She likes to be adventurous. You know, like that's the, the nature of the person that she is. She needs somebody more exciting. She That's not ever going to jive with her. So, yeah. but they're not exploring that at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're not doing anything with, with her or her storyline. She has one conversation with Maddie. She sits, sits over there and looks sad in the corner. And it's like, that's the part that bothers me about the writing is that the show is not focusing on the strongest characters and the ones that I think the audience enjoys the most. And they're, and he is like overextending the timeline. You don't need to overextend this timeline of everybody's storyline. This can all happen a lot quicker. Like, and so the overproduction of Cassie and Maddie and Nate, it's like, okay, we get it. They're in the love triangle. Cassie's fucked up. Like, hurry up and get to the part where somebody finds out something or something like make something happen, you know? And so like that frustration I get from an audience perspective, because that's how I feel watching it as well. I think mm -hmm. the best part of the show now is the Jules, Elliot and Rue thruple. Because I, hate it. because I think it's the, I think it's the most true to life to the generation that they're trying to get to. And I, I think they all can relate to some aspect of, of, what's going on in that. Like, I've heard about, you know, transsexual people and threesome couples and all that. Like, people, this is how people are living, whether it's lesbians or bisexual. Like, this is a more understandable mix of the new generation and what they are enduring, you know? I think the stuff with the Cassie and Maddie and Nate is just like a regular soap opera, and it's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so. I really enjoyed the conversation that Jewel and Elliot had about how Jewel feels like a boy because she doesn't know how to eat pussy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was a dope that was really interesting and yeah. really tough to reconcile for her identity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we get the here, let me show you on your hand sequence, mm -hmm. which was a little bit of a step back. But I think you're exactly right, Jason. I think that's the most interesting storyline, definitely of this episode by far, yeah. and kind of what's carrying the show. What if I told you, B, that we're halfway through the season? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's only eight episodes. 
Oh, wow. I thought it was going to be 10, but I guess eight is. I guess they're counting the two in between or something, you know? Okay. okay. Or maybe it's so expensive and so hard to produce that they they have eight. Who knows? But I think it's probably more of the latter. Yeah. That sounds about right. (laughs) Mm. I think that puts a pressure cooker on the writing. And probably part of the reason why these scenes are so drawn out, because a lot of these are just like one take. And it's like, you don't really want to interrupt the moment, the good acting that's happening here. And so it just seems so drawn out. I'm not mad at it. The cinematography and everything is beautiful. And I'm really enjoying these scenes. But I mean, maybe that is part of the reason. It's just all this beautiful film that they're using. It's like, we're not going to let this shit go to waste. We're going to give them all these long drawn out scenes. What's going on, guys? You know what it is. New year, new you. I get it. I, 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 we all got We all have our New Year's resolutions. One of them is to eat better, right? You want to eat good food, but you also want to spend an arm and a leg. And guess what? HelloFresh can help you with that. They have endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. Here's the deal. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skipping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you those wait and those long lines where these people don't know how to use a checkout thing. It drives me insane. So I know what you're thinking. So what I mean, I could just go to a restaurant. Guess what? HelloFresh, 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. You could save, on average, over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's more money to put towards those 2022 goals of yours. That's right. Whatever it is you're trying to do with that extra money, I don't care. Maybe you open a savings account. Maybe your, your New Year's resolution is to save more money. HelloFresh helps you with that as well. I know going out to a restaurant, as I said, is inconvenient. Particularly, I got a big family, man. It's hard get the kids in the car and go down. No, 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 no. We're going to do HelloFresh at the house. They sent it to my house. We had all types of meals. The, these meals are easy to make. They're delicious. My kids love the pub-style shepherd's pie. They also love the Bravo balsamic chicken, the sun-dried tomato spaghetti. The list goes on and on. Get you some HelloFresh. It's delicious. It is affordable, and it is convenient so this is what i want you to do go to hellofresh.com slash b-o-m-16 and use the code b-o-m-16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts again hellofresh.com slash b-o-m-1-6 and get up to 16 free meals and three free gifts the promo code is b-o-m-1-6 Hello Fresh, America's number one meal. Let's talk about the hot tub scene. <laughs> uh, I felt like Maddie did some of her best work in that um, acting wise. I've been in that argument dozens of times. <laughs> in what? In what way? <laughs> I'm just like the girlfriend. Like, no, you said it too fast. No, what did you mean when you said it like that? Tone, tone, yeah, that Jason. Tone, that it was tone your tone. Argument. I've been in that tone argument quite a lot throughout my life. So I, and the way that she, and then she had the friend backing her up and Kat's like, yeah, I got a mind of my own. If I didn't yeah, feel that, that was so good. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I know that feeling. I'm not, I'm not one of Maddie's old, like puppeteer <laughs> girlfriends. Like I have my own thoughts. I'm an independent woman, Nate. <laughs> Bitch. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the authenticity of that scene, but I thought it was kind of broken up by a false note with her throwing up on everybody. But it, I guess it worked for the show. Puking I mean, in the hot tub. Unforgivable. Unforgivable. I mean, she was mixing all kind of different like liquor. She's drinking a white claw. Then she's drinking wine. She's drinking all kind of weird ass like smearing off. Uh, was whatever that, the fuck. Was that enough ice that she was down I in? I think so. <laughs> like, she got, she iced herself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That that scene was good, but I didn't like the throw up. Um, but I, it led to, you know, the the meme moment where she's looking at him as she's being pulled up the stairs. 
uh, which is great. And yeah, he just kind of like scoffs at her like this bitch. <laughs> okay, I have a question about the acting this season. Clearly, Zendaya killed it last season, won all the awards mm-hmm. deservingly. If you could give someone an award, like a supporting actor or whatever, out of all the characters on this show, who would you give that to? Mm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I, Go ahead, I, would, I like uh, Coleman Domingo. And I think that scene that he gave in the last episode where they're standing on the stairs was was excellent. Oh, uh, yeah. I think he, anytime he shows up on screen, he hits he, five stars. He, when they were in the car, that was a great scene. So... Yeah, I like the kids. I mean, some of like I said, I think Alexa Demi is is great as Maddie, but I don't know if it's like award worthy. I think what Coleman Domingo is doing is is like dope, is special. I think that Sydney Sweeney playing Cassie this year has had to step yeah. it up. I think she's been really good. I really liked her in White Lotus too, and when she's in White Lotus, she kind of plays against type. She she's not playing Cassie again, mm-hmm. so I appreciated that. I always like to see people show a little bit of range and i mean the character is a waking nightmare and it's tough to watch but she's making me feel that it's a waking nightmare and that it's tough to watch so i gotta give her some credit for that yeah same it's all in her eyes she just looks like walking anxiety she is just a fucking mess and she plays it well she's so beautiful but she just looks so hurt and in distress the entire season. The entire season, she's just been a fucking wreck and she's doing an incredible job at it. So I would give her all the awards, but also big homie who plays Cal. <laughs> Woo! No. I, yeah, I think you he's doing an incredible it? job. Oh yes. my God. I think yeah. he's a little over the top for me. but I fucking love it. I love <laughs> it. But that scene with him in the in the foyer of the house, I thought was good. That was like a great, you know, little fuck you moment. Um, <laughs> that that was a nice little twist for him to to confront all of his demons and you know talk honestly to his family, uh, seemingly for the first time. Yeah, that was that was a cool moment of the show. It was a cool moment, but let me tell you what I was waiting on. Um, who the fuck is that third child in that family photo? I thought that was. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Was that a chick? Was it a girl? There were three children in that family portrait. It was Cal, Marsha, Nate. I forgot the other, the oldest son's uh, name. And then there's a little one. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay, is someone going to say what happened? Or a Brody. Maybe he looks like a Brody. (laughs) All right. Well, you are you are on to something. Okay. There's a younger boy whose identity has never been addressed. Yeah. Uh, for two seasons. It's been spotted in the family home. Fans have theories. Oh, we got about fans. Who yeah, there are a lot of fans. He is. So here, let me read you guys some theories, all right? Yes. Number one, Nate's brother is Ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. In episode one, it was revealed Ash and Fez are not biologically related. Ash had been dropped off at his grandma's home. Mother and father never returned to collect him. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I'm going to go no, no on that one. Yeah, yeah Ashley's Big no. <laughs> Ashley's parents were, were drug addicts, right? That couldn't right. pay up their tax. Right. It's, he's the third kid, so yeah. he, it doesn't make sense for them to give that one up and be that deep in. All right, number two, Nate's brother died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very likely, I would say. That's what I'm thinking. Like um, when Cal, you know, was addressing Marsha and like, oh, you know, you're just on Facebook, you're flirting and you're doing X, Y, and Z. She's so checked out, but there could be another reason why she's just so like checked out. She probably lost a child and she's just hasn't recovered emotionally and mentally from that. Yeah. Give that's, some more trauma the to the Jacobs clan, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Number three, Nate's brother left the family. Right, so that, that's possible, but he once again is younger than Nate, so that means that he's. But do we know that? Do we know? Do we know the know order? Who's who? Yeah, that's true. And then yeah. this is a pretty wild one. Cal's son was trans. Mm. Ooh. Mm. We didn't think about that. Based on absolutely no evidence. <laughs> 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 nothing to back that one up. With absolutely nothing to add to that. <laughs> 
going to throw that out there as a theory for you guys. Yeah. Well, I hope that we discover it by the end of season two. I don't think they're careless enough to not never address that, but that is a pretty weird thing. Cause I was looking at that family photo too. I'm like, how many people are in that? Right. What's in that? But then we also forgot that he had an older brother until he showed back up. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that the older brother was still living with them. The older brother was helping at the carnival with, uh, you know, selling the chili and all oh, that yeah, shit. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, ruin her voiceovers, her narration said, you know, this is the fuck up of a brother that uh, that Cal has or son that Cal has. But seeing that third child really fucked me up and yeah. I really enjoyed those fan theories. Um, speaking, I, uh, speaking of things hanging on the wall in the Jacobs house, mm. why does this idiot Nate have Troy Aikman's jersey on his wall? <laughs> Troy Aikman? Yeah. That's your they boy? Have, they have a lot of like old like references in the show that I'm just like, it's no way. Like, like okay, the biggest one, I was going to bring this up later, but it is later now. Uh, Cassie is singing the Sinead O'Connor song. Yes, that is what we call an editing mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no way she knows that song. This is just weird. Like, why would she be singing this and crying? This is not working. Like, that was the first time I saw something in the show where I was like, this does not work at all. And it's the song that Cal is listening to at the (laughs) bar. So it's like, are they having a psychic transference? It was What's going very, on here? It was very Last Jedi, fucking <laughs> Ray and Kylo. Force time. <laughs> yeah, like it was weird. Like I, I get why Cal would you know choose that song, and I get why the writers you know with the song being called uh, was it Drink Before Drink party? Before Drink Before the War. The war. So in a yeah, way, it was kind of like foreshadowing. War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of foreshadowing. He's drinking, he's, you know, out here wilding out. And then he comes home and just unleashes his fury on his family. <laughs> yeah. But I do, yeah, that was one thing that I really didn't, I didn't like that part. Like Cassie would never at her age. And I don't care how many, you know, deep cuts that her mom listens to. No, wow. we heard the music that her mom was playing at when they're celebrating Maddie's birthday. This is how I do But that was another moment that bothered me, though, too. Honestly, I'm like, why are they playing this song? Like, don't nobody listen to this shit no more. No, that is, look. I mean, when I say it like that, like, these young kids would not be like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to turn up to this. Of course, we, we're the older millennials and older than us, yes. I think it's because it was uh, Mama Howard. Yeah. I think she picked the playlist. She's she, like, she okay. She said she loved the Montel Jordan song. She did She did. Yeah, say she did say that. And then she's playing Faith Evans. And I'm like, okay, I see, you know, this is the generation that she's in. And with listening to these songs that she's playing at the party, it's like, why would that Sinead O'Connor song ever be played in the house in that moment? We're celebrating a birthday. So yeah, no. Yeah. I don't really have a problem with the references and stuff being a little bit older than the kids. That's because it's Sam Levinson, you know, they're his references that we're getting like the movie stuff at the beginning, you know, like Rue and Jules aren't (laughs) sitting down a movie night to watch Brokeback Mountain, you know, it's not happening. But what I do take issue with is that, it's clearly the cow song and then they just gave it to Cassie as well. And that's just, that's just bad, you know, <laughs> bad editing, bad, bad plotting. Yeah. Keep it to cow. But. And it was really funny, uh, you know, reading some of the comments. So when Cal goes to the jukebox, the one album that I guess was playing last that someone chose was Nicki Minaj pink print. Yeah, I saw mm. that. <laughs> and the bards were like, how are you just going to go past Nicki Minaj and play this fucking song? But could you imagine, like, Cal just having a moment to, like, some some Nicki? <laughs> I, I never loved Nicki's albums. I thought she was a great uh, feature, feature artist. Yeah, 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 she's a great feature artist. I, don't, I didn't understand, like, her solo career album, but that's a whole other... <laughs> podcast <laughs> but um yeah i don't know it was weird to have that mixed in with like the 70s and 80s it was just like a random like hodgepodge of music i'm like who selected this jukebox playlist look the the gays <laughs> go up for Nicki minaj <laughs> right. okay you gotta have it in the jukebox in whatever the fuck town california they live in 
Right, right. So yeah, so then we got Rue going off on Jules, calling her everything for the child of God. Wait, before we even get there, they're yeah. having like their little truth or dare moment. Right. Um, but before they get to the truth or dare, Rue gets up. She says she has to go use the bathroom. She right. comes back. Elliot gets up and says, well, <laughs> and while Rue is in the bathroom, we have Elliot and Jules making out secretly behind her back. And then, you know, she comes back. Elliot gets up to go to the bathroom. And I thought it was really interesting that he goes in, he lifts up the cup. And instead of doing drugs that I guess Rue left in there for him, he just blows it off. He just kind of seems like, ugh, I'm over this shit, but goes back like in there. and pretty sober most of the time. I wouldn't say sober, but he's he can't hang with Jules or he can't hang with Rue. Like Rue's yeah. at another level when it comes to to doing this shit. He's obviously intimidated by it. Also, he's starting to have feeling for Jewel. So he's he's changing the way that he's behaving with them, which was before he was, you know, Rue's secret drug buddy. And now he's Jules's secret makeout buddy. Yeah. Which is so weird. And then, you know, I guess he was trying to get out of this whole awkward truth or dare situation. What did he say? Something about this lesbian power games or something, (laughs) whatever he called it and decides like, okay, let's go get some liquor. And it's like, okay. And we're going to go to this store. We're going to vandalize this place for some fucking white claws. White claws, dog. When he got behind the counter, I thought, okay, he's going to take some actual bottles. And then he got back in the car. I'm like, you didn't take a bottle of any hard alcohol. You just stole a, 12 pack of white claws <laughs> guys get fucked up on and then for even like I, you know obviously the whole thing takes a nosedive when jewel gets on roof for drinking but yeah. in my mind i'm like it's like a fucking apple cider like <laughs> this four uh, percent oh she's really up. slurping that claw you guys <laughs> like take it easy this girl's <laughs> done fentanyl and heroin but she can't have half a white claw she's gonna get crazy <laughs> yeah but it's like, what did you guys think? You you went to the store to get some stuff. You put it in the back seat with Rue. She's drinking it. And it's like, oh, wait, you shouldn't be drinking. It's like, yeah, but this <laughs> is your idea to go out and go get the shit. Right. Like, so you what are we doing? the worst type of friend enablers ever. <laughs> like, the worst alcohol, put it right next to you and then tell you you can't drink it. So you got to hang out with us and have fun, though. Like, what? <laughs> And then Rue is like, man, fuck y'all. I don't even drink like that. You guys are tripping. Let me out. And they pulled over and let her the fuck out. I was like, okay, wait, what What the fuck? You guys don't really care about this girl. You don't care about her sobriety. You don't care about anything. Her safety. No, I, was, I was like, good for her. <laughs> like, she need to get out of the car with those two fucking toxic ass motherfuckers. Like, like you said, they don't care about you. They're willing to pull over to the side of the road, not even stop to try to convince you. They're just like, okay, bye. <laughs> Next shot, she's at the house. I'm like, what? Falling into the bedroom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah these and are your friends. So why do you guys think that Rue even said that? Like, I can't, I can't fucking stand you. Yeah. I don't, I think she was probably feeling some of her old feelings. You know what I'm saying? Like of just how she didn't like how she left her or other shit she got upset about in the past. Like, you know, like and obviously she, she doesn't like being told what to do. You know, that's right. probably Rue's biggest thing. Like, you can't tell her what to do, especially around drugs. Like, she's going to go do that shit. So Jules is trying to fucking, like, <laughs> down on her. And she's like, bitch, like, I already, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm already off you anyway. So she just obviously then goes on 10. Once she decides that she's going to sit on one side of the fence, she's going to take it to the full extent. And that's what she did. Do you think it had anything to do with the whole truth or dare making out little no. situation no. not at all she's got no clue and doesn't really seem like any qualms right when elliot says are we all three gonna fuck i was like yeah probably <laughs> seems like that's where we're headed yeah but be drama it's so a triangle let's create some drama right what's the most dramatic thing rue can do in this situation get pissed yell at jules and then leave jules and elliot to hook up Look. drama Jules is going to hook up with Elliot anyway. It was like, okay, yeah, we dropped her off in the middle of nowhere. We don't know if she made it home safely. I'm going to go back to this man's house. Turn my phone off. And turn turn my phone off. That, I was like, okay, she really doesn't give a fuck. 
She doesn't want any interruptions. And, you know, Nate, Nate, (laughs) Elliot has a little bit of a heart to be like, you know what, this is weighing on me. Let me let Jules know that, you know, our girl is not sober. Or let me inject some more drama (laughs) into this situation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. We didn't have enough. So we had to add some more. All right. Love triangles. You always need another teaspoonful in Ruth's kitchen, Mm -hmm. (laughs) y'all. Never enough. Never (laughs) enough. I like that. But at the same time, it was like, Jules didn't care. It was like, oh, yeah, she's she's getting high. Wow. My feelings are hurt. Okay, but what about that dick, though? What that, dick, <laughs> what that mouth do? <laughs> she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, this episode should have been called What That Mouth Do. <laughs> That's really what it came down to at the end. Oh. oh, my gosh. So what do you guys think about the ending of the show where they decided to kind of, like, show characters in these, like, a montage of these moments where we have Kat and um, Ethan in the car. They're not interacting with each other she looks miserable we have lexi in the theater and we haven't even spoken about lexi and how she's just slowly collecting the tea how about lexi like using the real fucking conversations that they're having using mckay by name by name (laughs) like is that not gonna blow up in your face so do you understand what i was saying last week she is about to air this shit out oh you're right you're right she's definitely if this is the way that Maddie finds out that Cassie mm. and Nate are hooking up, mm-hmm. it's going to be a disaster in that little theater. Yeah, it seems like that's the climax of her play. <laughs> like That's what it seems like they're saying. If she's telling a story about her sister and observing her sister, you know, and she doesn't even really know all the shit her sister's going through, right? Like, she knows right. a little bit. Yeah, it seems like that's where the show's leading us. I really enjoyed the last shot of the episode with Cassie sitting at the mirror and then the slow pan um, back to reveal all the, you know, flowers. <laughs> all uh, I could think of was, uh, was Bo Burnham. White was- woman, <laughs> white woman's Instagram. I don't, Telling I don't you, watch, that, watch that Bo Burnham music video. He's got a shot exactly like that of just a slow pan out and you've just got him looking all beautiful and bright blue eyed and he's just got flowers floating around it was just straight out of that it was cassie's idealized instagram version of herself with all the flowers floating in the air it was great i enjoyed it i I like what um you know the after show they're interviewing uh talking to sam and the cinematographer uh marcel rev where it was like supposed to be like a mexican mural like what you would see on the candles and everything and it's just this beautiful floral arrangement. I thought it was gorgeous. It was kind of like a juxtaposition of like, we have such a beautiful girl, but she's tortured. She's like a tortured soul at the same time. And I really, I really enjoyed that. But I really like Lexi though. Just her like sitting there and turn and just, you know, looking into the camera. It was just, look, bitch, I'm about to really set this shit off. Just, just give me a little bit more information. And I'm about to be director of the year. Yeah. No, I'm I'm enjoying Lexi's turn. Um, they still have her sitting on the sidelines for most of the, the episodes and not doing as much as I want her to do. But <laughs> yeah, I I love, you know, as a filmmaker, I love to see people blossom into their film career. So I want to see <laughs> her uh her play take off and like that be her vehicle to be her best self. And so we got a little bit of Faye. Just a teeny little bit. Yeah, we got they're Faye, watching Invasion Astro- of the Body Snatchers. That's what that was? Yeah, great movie. What did she say? Oh, you know, this 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 movie is so real. So real. It is a pretty dope movie. Once again, something that they would never be watching. But <laughs> never, never. It is about possession and when, you know, like it's an alien invasion. So it's like people who are just kind of off and like, but it's also, you know, evocative of like the way that people are consumed by corporate capitalism or on and on and on whatever metaphor you want to use shot in san francisco by the way yeah Faye, five seconds fez five minutes there that like rains outside his window right but he was confronted by old dude i forgot his name uh custer he tells fez like yo homie that ashtray killed (laughs) his baby mama is asking questions so 
And Fez is just like, oh, fuck. Now he has to deal with this shit. Another mess. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to next week um, where we're going to see more of, you know, the the lady that Rue bought the drugs from. And, you know, even with a little preview into next week and she's talking about, you know, how consuming drugs and how it makes you feel and how you slowly start to lose like your, I guess, just how you feel. So it kind of gives us an explanation and look into this woman's life while she's so kind of like lethargic. Mm-hmm. Maybe she used to like just be high on shit. Now she just doesn't feel anything and she just comes off as very monotone and you know what I mean? And so I'm really interested to see maybe they're going to do a backstory on her. That's what it seems like it's leading up to. And we're going to get more of Fez and Brew and how she has no intentions of selling a piece of a pill. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the Fez storyline with Think Jr. was his name, the drug dealer that he murdered or that Ashtray murdered. I think I'm not sure it's going to come into play with the Rue storyline with the drugs that she's not able to sell. These people are going to be somehow intermingled in the same underworld. But yeah, right now, Rue's just doing the drugs. Eventually, she's going to be like Smokey and run out of them. And <laughs> she's going to have to pay Piper to her big worm lady drug dealer. Hey, and, and Biggie's top commandments. What do you say? What, what number was don't get high on your own supply? Yeah, it wasn't high enough. <laughs> it should have been number one. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> but yeah, so good luck to Rue. She we left her. She was slow dancing by herself. Wasn't that her last moment? By the yeah. way, she did fentanyl at the end of the last episode and she just woke up. Everything's cool, guys. Like next next morning I'm getting uh. okay. Like that. Okay. You guys made that over dramatic for no reason. It's just like fentanyl, it's cool. I feel like it's almost uh problem if in terms of like drug messaging if Rue doesn't die like B said like, right. is, like a- she can just do all this shit be fine like yeah how but that's not what great how they having her do fentanyl and have literally no fit ill reactions this is why I really think that next episode Rue is something really bad is gonna happen yeah maybe an OD she's gonna get you know exposed in some way Cause uh, we you know we see little glimpses of her sister and her mom like Ball. stress the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, shit's gotta hit the fan. Jules knows. Hopefully, some more people try to convince her to be better, but she's not gonna like that. They're gonna fight. It's gonna continue to spin the wheel a bit longer. But I'm not coming to Euphoria for the writing. That's definitely not my priority with this show. It's an incredibly beautiful, stylized show. Yeah. We were talking about Cassie with the flowers. I really loved the the Venus. It was almost David LaChapelle-esque yeah. portrait yeah. of Jewel. And then the Frida Kahlo <laughs> thing as well. I love how you call her I'm trying to do it. Jewel. <laughs> Jewel. <laughs> so as so long good. as they're still making visually stunning episodes with absurd ADD soundtracks, I'll keep watching this show. And I love talking to you guys about it. Getting in the kitchen and making making some food. So for Bethany Anderson, Jason Madison, I'm Anthony Mays. We'll see you next week in the kitchen.